We're going to open up God's Word again now, and our reading this morning comes from the book of Colossians. Uh, We're going to start reading in Colossians chapter 1 and go on to Colossians chapter 2, and Kai's going to lead us in that reading. Thanks, Kai. So the reading is from Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 24. Colossians 1 from verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanks, Kai. It'd be really good if you can keep your Bible open there at uh, Colossians 1. Uh, At the moment, we've got a a short series uh, working through our mission statement as a church, Uh, opening up God's Word and exploring those themes of making, uh, maturing, and mobilizing committed followers of Jesus. And we started that last week. Uh, By looking at the first part of that, the making committed followers of Jesus, and today we're focusing on the second part of that, which is maturing committed followers of Jesus. Uh, Kids, younger people, if you've, uh, you might have one of the kid sheets. Um, uh, They're available on the welcome desk if you didn't grab one on the way in, and maybe that helps you follow along uh, as we're going through today. Before we do, let's uh, let's pray, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that we have your word now. Uh, We thank you for this opportunity to consider what you are saying to us. Please, Lord God, by your Spirit, uh, give us open minds, ears, uh, but mostly open hearts. And Lord God, that your word would go deep, uh, would, and Lord, it would bring uh, renewal to our lives. Uh, give us encouragement, uh, strength. Uh, Lord, challenge us where we need challenging. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And my guess is that many of us, uh, at some point or another, have had to make a distinction between something that is genuine and something that is fake. Uh, Maybe it's that time that you're looking for that product on eBay, and you're scrolling through that whole list, and all of a sudden there's that, that product that stands out so much cheaper than all of the others. And you've had to make that decision, well, is this the genuine article, or is this a fake? Uh, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's buying, if you've been to Bali, buying one of those uh, brand name watches 
on the side of the road. Incredible, uh, incredible watch that you can buy for two dollars. Uh, and maybe you've had to make the decision: is this, is this the genuine article, or maybe is this a fake? Now, sometimes it's easy to tell, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to tell between what's genuine and fake. But sometimes, sometimes it is far more difficult. Uh, there's quite a, a famous uh, story of Sean Greenhalge. Uh, he was a sculptor, and he was known as the Boston Forger. Uh, with, with his mum and dad, uh, Sean sold, over a period of time, $17 million worth of false sculptures, uh, which he advertised from being in, from antiquity. Uh, probably the most famous case is that he sold uh, a supposed statue of the Egyptian princess Amana for $440,000 to the Boston Museum. Uh, On receiving it, the experts at the museum dated it from being 1350 BC, um, when it was actually, in fact, made in Sean's basement in 1987. Uh, Now, it's it's a fascinating story, uh, but of course, we're not here to talk about fake watches and fake art. But this morning, uh, we do want to think about uh, what is the difference between genuine gospel ministry in the life of a church, and what is fake? What is real gospel ministry amongst the people of God? Gospel ministry that leads to growth and maturity, and what is fake? What is false? As I said earlier, we're doing this as part of our series Last week, we unpacked the first part of our mission statement of of, of making committed followers of Jesus, that we we desire to be a church that is outward-looking. We desire to be a church that is is focused on seeing people who do not know Jesus yet come to put their faith and their hope in Him. Today's the second part of that, and that we don't just want to see people come to faith, but we want to see them mature, grow as disciples of Jesus. And today, we want to think about the kind of ministry that a church has, which God uses to do that. To do that, we're unpacking these verses from the book of Colossians. In terms of maturing followers of Jesus, we could in fact study this whole book of Colossians, this whole letter, because it's really a letter written by Paul to a church to encourage them to keep doing this. A church that he hadn't planted and he hadn't visited, but a church that he nonetheless, he encourages them to push on to growth in Christ, to maturity, to leaving behind basic things and to, to grow in their faith. And as part of that encouragement, in these, these verses, Paul unpacks his own ministry as an example of genuine gospel ministry. What it looks like when we are focused on building, growing, encouraging each other to maturity in Christ Jesus. There's probably lots of things that we could pull out of these verses. But this morning, I want to focus on three things. Three things that make for genuine Christian, for genuine gospel ministry in the life of a church. And the first one is this. It's hard work. Genuine gospel ministry is hard work. It's not easy. It's costly. 
in any church that wants to make a mature and mobilize committed followers of Jesus, any church that wants to do this better know what we are signing up for. Have a look at where Paul starts here in verse 24. Look at what he says. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church. What is he saying here? He's saying, I, I as somebody who serves Christ and who serves the church, I suffer for that. Now, in a sense, some of the, these, this verse is a difficult one to understand. And it could actually be read the wrong way. It could actually be read that, that maybe Paul, Christ's sufferings were not complete, and Paul somehow has to do more of that suffering for the sake of the church. Is that how we're to read it? Well, no, no surprise here, I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> not, not at all. In fact, earlier on in the chapter, he's just made it really, really clear that there is one Savior and one Savior only, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he and he alone has paid for sin. And he and he alone is the way to be made right with God. And how are you going to say here now, well, it's Jesus plus a little bit of what I do uh, on the side. So how would you understand this? Well, it's important to note that the word afflictions there, there in verse 24, is a word that is, that is never used in conjunction with the sufferings of Christ on the cross for sin. It, it's never used in conjunction with atoning price for sin. There are different words for that. Jesus and Jesus alone suffers the penalty of our sin on the cross and makes people right with God. You see, what, what Paul is saying here is that the afflictions of Christ, they continue now in the life of the church. This is the way that the gospel goes out. Through suffering, through affliction, through hardship. This is the way that the gospel bears fruit in people's lives through suffering and through hardship. This is the mark of genuine gospel ministry. That it's hard work. That it's suffering. Look at what he also says down at the end of chapter 1 and the start of chapter 2, verses 29 and chapter 2, verse 1. He says, For this I toil, struggling, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Oh, we might say, well, that, you know, that's, that's Paul. You know, he's an apostle. He's, he's different. Of course he has to struggle. Of course he has to work hard. But us ordinary, everyday, mortal kind of Christians, it's not so hard. Well, maybe jump over the chapter, chapter 3, and have, have a look at what it says there. Chapter 3, verse 5. This is talking about gospel growth in us. And it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put, to de- put it to death. So if you want to grow in Christ, put these things to death. Is that an easy thing? It's a struggle. Chapter verse 12. Uh, sorry, verse 13. He says, Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. He's talking about gospel growth amongst us. And he says, what do you do? You love. 
you forgive like Christ has forgiven you. That's hard work. That's struggle. That's toil. So let me say this. Fake ministry. Ministry that is not genuine. That doesn't grow people in Christ. Is easy ministry. It's ministry that makes very few demands on us. It's ministry where relationships are kept casual, at arm's length. So we don't have to deal with with anything that's tough. We don't have to deal with any struggle. It's ministry that asks very little of people in terms of commitment. It's ministry that offers time and energy and money, but only up until the point that we begin to notice it, (laughs) the point where it begins to hurt. It's ministry that opens up God's word, but it only goes as deep as it starts to question and challenge us. Easy ministry is, is never ministry that asks for repentance and sacrifice and change. Genuine, the genuine article, that's hard work. That's struggle and toil and suffering. Seeing growth in ourselves, seeing change in ourselves through God's word, that's hard work. That's painful work. That takes time and, and it takes focused energy. Seeing other people, one another, grow to maturity in Christ, that's going to cost us. And being clear on what our mission is as a church, we've got to be honest, we haven't made things easy. This is not an an attempt to make church life easier for everybody. That would be fake Christian ministry. We want the genuine article. And so we're asking for hard work. Now, we do have to remember... This is what Paul Heights writes there at the end of chapter 1. This is not struggle and energy in our own strength then, of course, is it? Verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is hard work and struggle and toil in which God himself is at work and encourages us and strengthens us. All right, that's the first thing we want to notice about the genuine article is it's hard work. The second thing we want to notice is that genuine gospel ministry is proclaiming Christ through the Word. That's what it looks like over and over again. It's proclaiming Christ, declaring Christ to one another through His Word again and again and again. Look at how Paul describes his ministry here, starting at verse 25. He says that he became a minister according to the stewardship from God. You remember that word stewardship from the book of Ephesians? It's, you know, God has entrusted Paul as as kind of like chief servant in the house with all of the responsibilities, doing God's work. What is that stewardship? Well, it's at the end of that verse, isn't it? To make the word of God fully known. He has been given this task, this this job by God, the stewardship from God, to make known the word of God, to proclaim it, to declare it, to preach it, 
to speak it, to live it again and again and again. And what's he doing through that word? Well, verse 26 spells it out. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Again, similarities with the book of Ephesians that we looked at at the end last year. The mystery. What is that? That's the mystery of, of Christ and the world, people being united in him. People coming to know God through Christ, both Jew and Gentile. The end of verse 27. Of verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. What, what, is, what does genuine Christian ministry here look like? It is, it is the word of God declared, spoken, proclaimed, and through that, pointing again and again to Christ, to who he is and what he has done. Now, you and I, well, traditionally, a church like ours, um, we've had uh, quite a narrow view of what this is, and, and probably for good reason. Uh, we've had quite a narrow view that this is mostly about preaching. This is mostly about what, what I'm doing now and what we do every Sunday from the front, uh, preaching, opening up God's Word, opening up a passage, and explaining it and applying it to the life of the church. And maybe we, we consider teaching to be, to be a part of that as well. And we've narrowed that view for, for kind of good reason, maybe some good intentions, because we want to say that there is a great importance in preaching. That is a, it's a wonderful gift that God gives in the life of the church to encourage and to challenge and to spur us on into following Jesus. But this gospel ministry is not something that just I engage in or, or people who stand up the front engagement. This is something for all of us. We all proclaim Christ through the word. Think of, think, think of the next chapter, or sorry, the end of chapter 3, or sorry, the middle of chapter 3. It says this, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing hymns, hymns, and spiritual thongs, songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Who, who's doing this? Who's doing the encouraging and the teaching? It's all of us with the Word dwelling amongst us. Now, on Tuesday night, we had the second part of our, our growth group uh, leader training. And we spent some time working, having a look at what it means to study God's Word together. This context of growth groups, of people around God's Word, this is a prime example of all of us proclaiming Christ through God's Word to each other. This is a context in which God's Word is opened and we read it together and we dig into it together. Yes, there may be a leader and they are going to lead that conversation and they're going to, they're going to direct it at times and, and, and shape it. But it's all of us studying together and through that declaring, proclaiming, speaking God's Word to each other. 
And we do that in the context of relationships, don't we? We do that knowing each other and sort of knowing each other's lives and, and knowing the things that we struggle with or the things that we're celebrating. And what, what it means is that we can sort of apply that word to each other's lives in a knowledgeable way. See, see there's, a, there's, there's a great thing in which, which I do on a Sunday, but there's a, there's a downfall to it as well. I don't know every single person here, and I don't know all of the things that are going on in our lives. But in, like in, a, in a group situation like that, there's a unique opportunity in relationship to proclaim Christ through the Word to each other. Now, it's, it's bigger than that as well, even outside of groups. This is, this is conversations with each other. This is, this is what we talk about after the service. This is what happens when we catch up with each other in a coffee shop or we have people in our, each other in our homes. We are in those conversations to proclaim Christ through the Word to each other. That means that as our relationships grow deeper and, and become personal, we, lear- we learn how to, how to encourage each other through the Word, to point each other again and again to Christ and His goodness and His love and His compassion and His mercy. So that no matter what life situation we're in, we, we apply Christ through the Word to that. Now, there, there is time for teaching as well. There's time for that. Like, I mean, even in our, in our homes uh, with, our, with our kids, as we seek to make and mature and mobilize committed followers of Jesus in our, in our own homes, there's time for teaching, to opening up God's Word and explaining it to, to our kids and to our, and to our families. In our children's and our youth ministries at church, it's, it's more of a, there's a teaching element there. Assisting, sort of encouraging, working alongside what parents are doing. In those contexts, in our children's and youth ministries, we are proclaiming Christ through the word. We're, we're teaching it. But this is not something for a select group of people. This is something that we're all to be engaged in. How do you spout fake ministry then? Well, fake ministry can, can take two, two different paths. On one part, you, you don't bother with God's Word at all. Your relationships are just sort of based on chatting about everything other than God's Word. Just all the other things of life, but never bringing the Word into it. The other type of fake gospel ministry is the type which opens God's word, but it never points to Christ. And it kind of just addresses these felt needs. It tries to encourage people to live good lives, but without the work and the power of Christ. It's focused more on on self-image than what our identity is in Jesus. It encourages us to live out of our own strength rather than the strength in which God provides by His Holy Spirit. It challenges us to become people of our own making than people being recreated in the image of Christ. And what's the result of that? That fake, non-genuine gospel ministry? Well, it might give us a temporary boost. It might give us a little bit of a push forward, help us feel better for a little while, 
but it doesn't result in a growing and a maturing church. And that's really the third thing that we want to see uh, about genuine gospel ministry is its aim. Its aim is growth and maturity in Christ. Its aim is to see people grow in Jesus individually and to see us as a church grow in Christ. Look at what it says there in verse 28. Look at the purpose for this ministry. It says that we teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What does that look like? Well, go jump down to chapter 2, verse 2, and look what he says there. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all of the riches of full assurance and understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. What, what is the aim of all this, this ministry that's going on? It's so that, that, that we would be growing to know and love and serve Jesus. That yes, our knowledge is growing, but it's relational knowledge. It's our lives are being renewed and transformed into the image of Christ. Now, what's, what's, what's the result when we get taken in by fakes? What's the result if you get taken in by a fake watch? Your $2.50 watch doesn't work out to be the genuine article. Well, you've got a watch that lasts for maybe a few hours, maybe a few weeks if you're lucky, and then it breaks and you lost a few dollars. Small change. What's the result of fake art? Well, again, I mean, people look at it, admire it, go, oh, that's nice, and then later on find out that they were duped. You know, big deal. But the danger with fake, non-genuine ministry is so much greater uh, and so much deeper. Uh, We and the people around about us, we lack maturity. We lack a deeper and fuller understanding of Christ. We fail to grow in Jesus and to know him more and to love him more. We're called to toil and struggle. We're called to proclaim Christ through his word for something of eternal value, for something that goes beyond money, for something that goes beyond this life. We're called to these things so that we and the people around about us know and grow in Jesus. So that God is honored and glorified. And so this kingdom grows and expands. Genuine gospel ministry results in lives that are changed and renewed and restored for the glory of God. It results in the power and in the working of God in hearts that are changed. Hearts that are taken away from 
selfishness and self-centeredness. Hearts that run after every sort of idol and every sort of love. Hearts that are seeking the approval of others rather than knowing the love and the acceptance that comes only in Christ. This kind of genuine ministry results in renewed relationships, the changing of the way that we view and treat each other. No longer is pawns for us to climb and to, to get our own desires met. But people who are there for us to serve and encourage and to see to grow in Christ. It changes marriages. It changes families and friendships. It changes them from being self-serving to serving others. It renews the way that we look at every single part of our lives. The way we view the world around us. The way we approach our work, our sport, art, the media. It renews us into the image of our God, of our Creator, and sets us as useful in His kingdom purposes. It's hard work. We toil, we struggle, it brings suffering. It's going to be a change in the way that we, we relate to each other as we put the word of God and proclaiming Christ at the very center of all our relationships. It's going to shake us out of our comfort. But it's for good purpose. God's purpose. To see one another grow, mature, and love Christ more. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we do thank you this morning for uh, your great work within us. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the powerful working of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that when we talk about maturing followers of Jesus, we're not talking something about that we do in our own strength. We're talking about something that you are at work at. But please, Lord God, give us individually and us as a church. Uh, Give us grace to love and to serve one another well. Lord God, steady us for the hard work that you're calling us to. Lord, may we toil in all the energy and strength that you give us. And Lord God, please teach us how to speak the word, proclaim Christ through the word, to one another. And we pray, Lord God, that this would result in a church that loves you more, that is shaped by your word, that is ready and willing to serve you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.